He is who he said he is, that he is Lord of the universe. He is Lord of your life. You are mandated by him to live for him. And you're called to love your neighbor. And as we love God and love our neighbor, we are never more like Jesus. Is your eternal life secured? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. You know, who you say Jesus is determines your eternity, but also how you spend your days here on earth. You see, knowing who Jesus is and believing that you will live with Him in eternity will also help you overcome fear here on earth. Here's David in part two of Who is Jesus? So the Father sent His Son into the world, and as you honor the Father, so should you honor the Son. Do you see the connection there? Again, a clear claim to deity that Jesus was making. Look at verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, again, this is truth. In a non-truth culture where people believe you can believe whatever you want to believe, your subjective feelings define truth. Jesus says, truly, truly, here's the truth. I say to you, now, why is that important? Because for those religious groups that say Jesus was just a prophet, the prophets in the Old Testament would declare, thus saith the Lord, then declare the Lord's truth. Jesus, not one time in any of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, he never says, thus saith the Lord. What does he say? But I say to you, listen, this is true. I say to you, it is a clear claim to deity that he's not just a strong, great prophet, nor is he just a mere mortal. He says, but I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me, there's that whole idea of the father because of love and because of our sin, sent his son into the world to forgive us of our sins. And whoever believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Do do you see what Jesus is saying here? That anyone who hears and believes the Son who was sent by the Father has eternal life. Now, dear friends, if you hear my words and believe they're true, I can't grant you eternal life. I'm a sinful man. I'm broken in so many ways. But Jesus says here so clearly, as the Father sent me into the world, and anybody who believes in me has eternal life. That is a clear claim to deity. Jesus saying, okay, you guys want to really make a list of accusations? There is yet another one that you can jot down that I claim today. Look also at the idea here that the one who believes in the Son has the gift of eternal life. Now, why is that important? Over the last year, we have lost over 500,000 Americans to the COVID crisis. It's been painful. I know some of you have lost loved ones as well. But I have said from the beginning of this pandemic, here's how you must first deal with it. Here's what you've got to do before you do anything else except Jesus. Believe in him. Believe that his gift of eternal life is for you because, folks, you've got to solve the death problem before you can enjoy the rest of your life. The major fear, psychologists have done study, that people have in their lives is the fear of death. 
We don't know what waits us on the other side. But for those of us who believe in Jesus and we believe he came from the eternal, invisible world to this temporal, visible world to tell us that if we believe in him, we'll step into that invisible, eternal world and we're gonna live forever. If we believe in him, we'll have eternal life. Folks, once that happens, you don't fear COVID. You don't fear anything because the death problem's been solved. You have begun with the end in mind. You have the final act of your life already settled. You know you're going to heaven. You, you know you're going to live there forever, and you don't have to worry about anything. Jesus claimed that if you believe in him, you have eternal life. That's only a claim that God himself could make. So you have here yet another claim. Jesus is saying, hey, you really want to make a list of accusations against me? Let me give you yet another one. Also, how about this one? Look at verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, the third time in these verses alone, this is truth. This is reality. You need to know this. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Jesus here is talking about his second coming. There's going to come a day when the Son of God, a term that was only used in Daniel to point to the Messiah, God in human flesh, there will come a day, indeed the hour is approaching, when the Son of Man will speak and those who've died will be given new life, be raised from the dead. It is an extraordinary verse about the claim of Jesus to be God to bring everyone into eternal life. They will live forever because they believe in the Son. Or also look at verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. So the Father's life that he has that allows existence to flow from him, that allows him eternality, this same life is the same life that the Son has as well. And notice here, this does not say the Father created the Son. There are some cults that believe that God the Father created Jesus as a mere human. That could not be farther from the truth. Here Jesus clearly says that the life of the Father lives in him. He's not created. He's eternal. He's always existed in a three-in-one relationship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Some people ask me at this point, why isn't the Holy Spirit more often mentioned? That's because the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, is the silent sovereign. His major job is to point people to Jesus, the eternal king of the universe. And we are to realize that in every way. Jesus makes a clear claim to deity in this verse. Again, like saying to the people around him, okay, you want to make accusations? Let me give you really something to talk about, that I am the life of the Father in me here on this earth. Or look at verse 27. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Again, that Son of Man title is something that Jesus claimed for himself. He repeats it 70 times in the gospel accounts. It's from Daniel the 7th chapter, from Daniel the 12th chapter, both chapters talking about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Jesus Messiah who will come and reign over everything. And here Jesus claims that he executes all judgment upon every person as the Son of Man. Now think about how extraordinary that is. 
that one day, Jesus said, every person is going to appear before not the Father, but the Son. And he will execute all just judgment upon every person who's ever lived. Again, what an extraordinary claim to deity, to judge every person who's ever lived. Remember Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, where Jesus did not think himself equal to the Father, but submitted himself to the Father as the Father asked him if he would go into this world to forgive us of our sins. The Son said yes, and the Father sent him into this world. Jesus then took on human form, human flesh as a baby in that manger in Bethlehem. He humbled himself in obedience to the Father's will because in our disobedience, we had severed the love relationship with the Father, trying to live life on our own, our destination hell, the Father intervening on our behalf on a rescue mission. Jesus then growing up from that baby into adulthood, living the perfect, sanctified, righteous life none of us can ever live. We all fall far short of God's glory, but the perfect God-man, Jesus called himself Son of God. He also called himself Son of Man, purposefully, fully God, fully human, in human flesh, obeyed perfectly the righteous requirements of the Father, listening to what the Father said to him every day, do this, do that, and he obeyed whatever the Father had him do so that at the judgment, this God-man is going to judge all of us. And when we come up with our puny excuses and we say, but you just don't understand what it's like to be tempted in this area, and you don't know what it's like to be rejected by people. And you don't know what it's like to be spat upon and beaten. And you don't know what it's like to be abused. Jesus is going to say, yes, I do. And you chose to remain in that pain. I gave you the right to become children of God and to begin to let me heal your innermost being, to heal all your emotions, to give you the gift of eternal life and let you enjoy life to the full. No victimhood here, no excuses here. I know what you've been through and I have the right as God in human flesh, the perfect God man to judge you now. Jesus made that claim. He gets to judge everybody. And here's what's so interesting, again in Philippians 2, 5 through 11 language, it says that because Jesus was obedient to the Father in every possible way, one day, because he humbled himself, the Lord will lift him up and every head will bow and knee will, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. Unbelievable, because he humiliated himself on the cross, God the Father lifts him up and gives him the right to execute judgment over every single human being who's ever lived. And then finally, look at verses 28 and 29 in this section of Scripture. Jesus said, do not marvel at this, because he's probably looking at them with these nine previous claims to be deity, and they're all going, they're marveling at what he's claiming to say. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of the life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Jesus said, don't marvel at what you've already heard about these nine, really marvel at this one. One day, an hour's coming, when I will call out everyone who's ever lived, and they will appear before the great white throne of judgment. Now, now real quickly, for those of you who've already accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you'll never appear before that great white throne of judgment. Your judgment's already been satisfied. 
There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The wrath of the Father toward your sin has already been poured out on His Son. You are forgiven. You're not going to face the Father. But for everyone else, they're going to come before the great white judgment seat. And here are the determining factors. Those who love Jesus and are doing good works, they are the ones who will come in. Those who don't love Jesus and are doing evil works will not come in. And This verse is not suggesting that you're saved by your works. You are saved by grace through faith, but your works prove whether you believe or not. We're not saved by our good works. We're saved for good works. The good works we do, caring for the poor, feeding the hungry, giving water to the thirsty, looking at the indigent, the sojourner, and the foreigner, and caring for them, our acts of mercy and kindness, trying to eliminate sex trafficking, this horrible blight on all of us, to try to bring the races together in love and not being so disunified. All those works of kindness and compassion that we do prove the work of Jesus in our hearts. But we must say, first, Jesus is Lord, then those works prove that. Others might do some good works because the image of God is still stamped on their lives, but if they're not willing to confess Jesus as Lord, folks, they have committed the unpardonable sin. What's the unpardonable sin? The one sin that can't ever be forgiven. It's the only one. Jesus can forgive every other sin except this one. What is it? To reject Jesus. In your pride to say that by your works, you're good enough to get into heaven. That is a lie, it's fallacious thinking, it's saying basically that I'm God and I have the right to determine my eternal judgment. Jesus says clearly here, I'm the one who will cry out and bring everyone before me, those who are already forgiven, you can go on into the kingdom and what will help prove my judgment against you is your good works that you did or didn't do. So Jesus finishes his 10th claim with this final one. May I go through them again real quickly? He said, first of all, that the Son only does what He sees the Father doing. Secondly, the Father loves the Son, and that greater works than these you're going to be able to see. And indeed, they did with the raising of Lazarus from the tomb. And also, Jesus' own resurrection was a greater work than they had seen with a lame man walking after 38 years. Third, the Father raises dead, and the Son does too. The Son raises people from the dead. Verse 22, all judgment is given to the Son. Look at this one, number five, all honor is given to the Father, and that same honor is given to the Son, the same honor. Look at number six, uh, those who hear and believe in the Son have been given the gift of eternal life. Number seven, the hour is coming when the dead will hear Jesus' voice, and those who believe in Him will live forever. Eight, that the Father's life is in the Son, and the Son's life is in the Father, it's the same. Number nine, that Jesus executes all judgment as the Son of Man. And then finally, that all will appear before Jesus for judgment, and he will separate the sheep and the goats, those who love him, those who care for him, and their acts of righteousness prove it, and those who don't love him and their acts of selfishness prove them as well. So folks, that's what Jesus said about himself. What are you going to do with these claims? The people then began making a list that accumulated over 18 months that ultimately was taken to the Sanhedrin, the Jewish rulers of the day, then to the Romans, which ended up nailing Jesus to a cross. They hated, especially, that Jesus claimed to be God. What will you do with that claim? What will you do with these ten things that Jesus just said about himself? One of the most powerful sections in all of the Bible. 
Jesus claims about himself. What will you do with that? Well, you have three choices. You can say he was lying. He knew he was lying. Doesn't make any sense, though, because this man who said, truly, truly, I'm really speaking the truth, and whose teachings have given truth to civilizations for 2,000 years was a liar? Well, maybe he was a crazy man, but that doesn't make any sense. His teachings that have given wholeness, life, healing, forgiveness to multiple millions of people over the last 2,000 years, all of this healing power and strength is based on a liar's teaching? That doesn't make sense. You have one other option, that he's the truth. He is who he said he is, that he is Lord of the universe. He is Lord of your life. And dear friends, if you've come to number three, that he's Lord of the universe and Lord of your life, you are mandated by him to live for him, to worship him, adore him. And you're called to love your neighbor, the broken and the disenfranchised especially. And as we love God and love our neighbor, we are never more like Jesus. Who do you say he is? It is the most important question you can ever ask yourself. Your eternal existence depends upon your answer. I beg you to bow your head and bend your knee and confess Jesus as Lord if you've never done it. If you have done it, do it again and again and again and say, my life is yours. I belong to you. I'm here to serve you. I believe your claims regarding who you said you are. John, your best friend, wouldn't have written them down as a committed Jew, never to bear false witness if these words aren't true. I beg you, give your life to Jesus, celebrate him, and may Moments of Hope Church be a church that basically is impassioned to love and honor the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then to let his spirit flow through us to be ministering servants in a dying, selfish world. To Jesus alone and always belongs all the glory forever and ever. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, I pray in Jesus' name, in the power of your spirit, that if there's anyone out there right now ready to yield to you, they would do so. And I pray they would sign up for baptisms on Easter Sunday. I pray that would be the first gigantic step they would take in saying to the world, no longer do I follow self, I follow Jesus. And Lord, all they have to do is pray this simple prayer. I'm a sinner. I've messed up my life. I've been so selfish. I've been so broken. Please forgive me. And Lord, your grace will wash over them. They're forgiven and you're born again, folks. The Spirit has entered your heart and you've begun a walk with Jesus, which will be the most important and glorifying thing you've ever done. I pray this in Jesus' name, Lord, as people give themselves to you. Amen. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David and I dig into his latest Davidism, which says, God is God and I am not God. And what happens when we get these two confused? We'll be right back. What does the Bible tell us about the end times? The Bible is a book about soteriology, your salvation, redemption, and eternal life. David Chadwick has made an informative video called The End Time Prophecies. From Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, God's Word is revealing facts about the times we live in, as well as the second coming of Jesus Christ. We would love to give this video to you as a resource to equip you to help you understand the history and prophecies of the second coming found in the Old Testament. In this video, David covers the validity of Scripture, 
Jesus' first coming, and how we can have faith in His second coming. This video is a compelling account of the foundation of the Christian faith. To receive your free copy of this video, go to momentsofhopechurch.org listener. Again, go to momentsofhopechurch.org listener for your free copy of this informative, educational video from David Chadwick. End Time Prophecies from David Chadwick. Get yours for free today. Thanks for listening to Moments of Hope. I'm Jen Houston, and with me is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Jen. It's great being with you again. Thank you. Well, in today's morning e-devotion, you wrote a Davidism that is such a powerful reminder for all of us. Could you share with us today about this Davidism that you call, God is God and I am not God? Yeah, it's one of those, Jen, that I learned years ago and has probably been more helpful for me than many other Davidisms that I have given people over the last several months. Uh, Here is the entire quote, though. God is God, and I'm not God, and here's this. And most of my problems come when I get those two things confused. Mm -hmm. Remember that, everyone, that when you realize you're not God, that allows humility to occur, and then you can have that deeper relationship and trust with Him. So what is the belief that I'm God? It's basically pride. That's the greatest of all sins. It causes us to mistakenly believe that I'm in control of everything, that I'm God, me, me, and life's all about me. And Jen, you know, the most often spoken word by your kids is mine. As they wrestle with toys with one another, they think they own everything Mm -hmm. in the house. Uh, It is the consummate rebellion, the ultimate sin, and what made the devil rebel against God and become the devil. Mm. How did the devil successfully then tempt Eve? in the garden with pride. In the Garden of Eden, he promised her, you will be like God, Genesis 3, 5. And we all know the unfortunate ending to that story. Mm -hmm. The tree from which Eve picked the fruit is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It represents our desire when we eat of it to control everything, to define what is good and evil, not God. Again, me, me, mine, Mm -hmm. mine, it's all about me. And thus, the genesis of all of our problems. What's the antidote to pride? Believe that God created everything. That's what Genesis 1-1 clearly states. The first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. And that then includes me and you. Mm -hmm. He is God and I'm not God. So start obeying all that God commands you to do. Those commands to obey him are filled with blessings that will come. He made this life. He wrote the owner's manual. When we do it the way God wants us to do it, our lives are generally blessed by him. And when you do so, many of your problems start to fade away and you realize one more time that God is God and I'm not God and most of my problems come when I get those two things confused. Wow, what a powerful revelation. I'm just, the word generosity comes to mind for some reason. And I think when you say it the way you did is that everything belongs to God and he created everything that allows us as believers to let things flow freely through us to other people. Yeah. You know, Jen, someone listening right now, I bet is a, an asset manager of somebody else's resources. Their job is to manage those resources well and to try to make a profit for the person who owns those possessions in a similar way. We are asset managers of 
all that God owns. He has loaned those things to us on this side of eternity. Our job is to take these talents he's given us and to expand them and to grow them. We're stewards of his possessions because he's God and he's loaned them to us for a few years here. We are responsible for using those gifts well. So good. And we can change that mind, mind, mind to it's all yours, God. All about you, God. Isn't that the great prayer? It's Mm -hmm. all about you, Lord. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jen. And everyone, thank you for listening today. If you'd like to receive these e-blasts, these daily Moments of Hope in written form, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They will arrive in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m. It's my gift to you, free of charge, to help you begin each day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to get your free video called The End Times. This is our gift, free for all of our Moments of Hope radio listeners. This informative teaching looks at what the Bible tells us about the end times. Just go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. Again, that's momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. For all of us at Moments of Hope Church, this is Jen Houston. Jen Houston.